Last time I was in Belgium, I met so many American beer pilgrims, people mostly from the East Coast of the United States, flying into Belgium just for a long weekend in order to enjoy the beer. There is something about Belgium that just is amazing if you are a beer aficionado. And we're going to talk about that right now. Stu Stewart joins us, and Stu's an American who leads beer tours in Belgium. He joins us now to sort out what it is about Belgian beer. Thanks, Stu, for being with us. Hey, you're welcome, Rick. It's good to be here. Stu, what is it about uh, Belgian beer? You claim on your website, uh, Belgian beer possesses the enviable capacity to change people's lives. How so? It does. It's just that good and just that different than any other beer in the world. I don't care how bad or good of a day you're having. If you have a Belgian beer, your day will be better. (laughs) Now, are we talking about lagers or are we talking about fancier, heavier beers? Now we're talking about ales. Ales. Predominantly ales. There are a few lagers made in Belgium, but they make mostly ales. So Stella is a popular Belgian beer, but that would just be a lager, right? That's correct. So we're talking about ales. What is it about ales? How are they different? Well, there's two types of beers, ales and lagers. Ales are brewed with a top fermenting yeast, and they are fermented at uh, higher temperatures for a shorter period of time whereas lagers are brewed with a bottom fermenting yeast at lower temperatures for a longer period of time. Okay, because they are a different creature. I was, I bumped into a chimay, and I I couldn't believe that it was like drinking a different, it was like a milkshake of beers or something of that. I just absolutely loved it and uh, ended up tracking it down back when I was home. Now, when you think about Belgian beer, you think about monastic beers. So many of the very best beers in Belgium are brewed by monks or come out of monasteries. What's the history of that? People often ask me, they say, why do the monasteries make such great beers? And the answer is quite simple. That's because beer is one of the few indulgences that monks are permitted, so they've become very good at it. Hmm. And they've had thousands of years in which to do this. I guess that makes sense. In fact, um, that brings to mind champagne was invented by a monk just south of the border in, in France. So they, they got their time on, on their hands in the monasteries and they can play around with fermenting things. And uh, in Belgium, the monks have a history of brewing the very best beer possible. You hear Trappist. Trappist is a monastic order, right? That's right. They're a, a strict observance of the Cistercian order. There's like how many different varieties of, of beer in Belgium to choose from? Some people say there are more than a thousand <laughs> at this point, brewed by more than 150 different breweries. 150 different breweries. So you got a—it's really a lot of traveling before you exhaust uh, Belgium of what it has to offer. And one thing curious to me—I was just in Bruges enjoying some beer, and I asked for a particular beer, and they didn't have the proper glass for that beer. For some reason, they were all out of that glass, and they asked me if it would be okay if they used a different glass or should I change my beer. In other words, some people would change their beer order if there wasn't the proper glass to drink it in. I think that's unique to Belgium, and that's quite a a strong tradition. Can you explain that? I can. Uh, People often ask me, they say, the fact that Belgium has a specific beer glass for each beer, is that marketing or is it science? Well, the answer is it's a little bit of both. Naturally, a brewery wants you to see immediately what everybody's drinking when you walk into a beer cafe. Mm -hmm. That's part of it. But the second part is science. Uh, there's two basic types of Belgian beer glasses. There's a chalice, which is like a Chimay glass, and they say that that design deposits the beer on the front of your tongue, whereas a tulip glass deposits it on the back of your tongue. So it's really where the where you're going to taste it on your tongue that uh, is determined by the glass, whereas a, yeah. a wine glass would have more to do with the bouquet. 
Well, the beer glass does too. The way the top of the glass holds in the aroma and uh, centers it you know, right into your nose. You mentioned beer cafe. Is there a certain etiquette in a beer cafe that we should be mindful of when we are tourists in Belgium? There is. First of all, they don't call bars bars there. They call them beer cafes or taverns. And the distinction would be taverns tend to serve food, whereas the beer cafes maybe not so much. But the most important thing when you walk into a beer cafe is to first establish eye contact with the bartender. Mm-hmm. He'll look at you, you look at him, give him a little nod, a little smile, then you can sit down. You know, Americans, we're used to just going into a place and sitting down and hoping that some server finds us. But if you do that, it's considered very rude. That's a very so, good tip. I can see that working. You want to just acknowledge, let them know you're here, you, you see them, they see you, and you're going to begin a nice experience in their place of business. It's so important to get off on that right foot. And right. if you don't, if you're in a tourist area like Bruges, they'll overlook it because they have tourists right. in there all the time. Right. But if you get in a less touristy area, you might find yourself sitting there for 20 minutes before you get yeah. any table service and wonder why. You started out with an awkward little faux pas. I'm Rick Steves. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're speaking with Stu Stewart, and Stu's an American who leads beer tours in Belgium. His website is belgianbeerme.com. Our phone number is 877-333-7425. And Ellie's on the line in Los Angeles. Ellie, thanks for your call. Thanks, Rick. Yeah, do you have a comment or a question for Stu? Yes, I do. Hi, Stu. Um, I'll be on a tour in Belgium. I don't typically drink beer, but I know it's an important drink in Belgium. Can you suggest some beer types or flavors that will be a gentle introduction and help to cultivate my palate? I'm going to give you one of my favorite beers in the world. It's made by Guden Carolus, and it's called Cuvée Van de Kaiser Blue Stripe. And it's a dark, rich beer made with spices. It's about 10% alcohol. And if you don't like that beer, nothing's going to help you. That's great. What's the name again? It's made by Guden Carolus, Cuvée Van de Kaiser, Blue Stripe. There you go, Ellie. Thank you very much. I really appreciate the suggestion. Good luck with your Belgian beer awakening. And Chantel's on the phone in Houston. Chantel, thanks for your call. Hello, Rick. Uh, I'm very glad to talk to you. I've been following you on the radio and on the television for at least 20 years and read all your books. I'm from Belgium, and I just wanted to tell you about an experience we had uh, with my husband a few years ago. We were in Brussels visiting the family, and suddenly it was like uh, end of August, beginning of September, and we saw this huge parade with horses, the famous, you know, Belgium horses, and brewery carts, and beer wagons, and we followed that whole uh, thing, and it went to the Grand Place, and we realized they had this huge annual event, it's called Beer Festival on the Grand Place, which you know the Grand Place in Brussels is, well, I'm from Belgium, but I think it's the most beautiful in the world. And they had about more than 50 breweries who had little shops there and serve about 350 type beers, a lot of small breweries, but some big ones also. Of course, the whole Grand Place was smelling like beer, like you would not believe and um, this is a little trivial, but I think whoever made the best business were the portable potties that were installed <laughs> in a corner of the complex. But it was fantastic because over 50 breweries all under the same square. So I, I think it's the first weekend in September. If uh, one of your uh, listeners go to Belgium about that time, by all means, they have to go. It's kind of a little rowdy. It's a lot of students. 
but it's really fun, and the pageantry is just fantastic. Wow. So that was my little grain of salt. And also, want to mention that usually when you go to uh, a little uh, tavern or whatever and get some beer, they also serve some delicious uh, little chunks of cheese for free, very often with it, because the monks were not only making beer, but they made also excellent cheese. Chantal, thank you for that comment. And you mentioned uh, more than beer, there's the decor and the pageantry and just oh. all the people coming together at the Grand Unbelievable. Place. Unbelievable, yeah. Yeah, the Grand Place is the main square in Brussels, and as you said, it's arguably the best square in the world. And when you hit it during that fe- any kind of a festival, you're in for a real treat. So it's important when we're traveling to be heads up that way. Stu, have you had an experience with the uh, beer festival on the Grand Place? I have, and it is a really nice festival. I'd just like to point out that the Belgians are famous for their beer festivals. They have them in Bruges, the famous Bruges Beer Festival. There's one in Antwerp called the Modest Beer Festival. There's the Zitos Beer Festival in Leuven, which is the largest one in the country. And there's one called the Heikant Beer Festival in the little village of Heikant, which is actually a fundraiser for the scout group there. Ah. That's great. Chantel. Everything is an excuse to have a beer. <laughs> a good ex- anything for an excuse to have a beer. Chantel, did you say you're uh, Belgian? Yes, I'm from Belgium. I'm a Walloon. I'm from the south you're of Belgium, but I lived in Brussels many, many years. Okay, so that's a reminder that Belgium is half uh, French speaking in Wallonia. And Correctly. Half, half I'm from the south, from the French speaking one. And then the other half is speaking like uh, Dutch in, in the north. Yes. And, uh, yes, and Brussels would be splitting the language situation. Well, that plus English and German. <laughs> I think in the future, Brussels might be English speaking the way it's going with all those yeah, diplomats. Yeah, there. yeah, exactly. Chantal, Chantal, what is your favorite Belgian beer? Well, I'm not a real connoisseur. I like the pretty strong beer. We used to go in the little tavern near the Grand Place called uh, Image Notre Dame and uh, also La Mort Subite. You go to all those ah. little taverns and no. you go drink like local beer, what they do yes. and they serve. The you mentioned my favorite place, A La Mort Subite. That's, that means a sudden death, I think. Yes, yeah, correct. And it, <laughs> And it has a 1920s. Whatever they make. It has a 1920s ambience, and they're yes. fa- they're famous for their their sandwiches, the tartine. Yeah, the tartine with the with the fresh white cheese, and they oh. slice radishes on top of it. And then you get a characteristic beer. You can get the cherry flavored beer there. Yeah, right. <laughs> and you can use that the sweet beer. That's another story. But you use it in dessert, and it's wonderful. Nice, à la mort subite. It's La Becasse. It's the most famous. It's it's behind the Grand Place. It's La Becasse. I was just in La Bacasse, and they have those uh, clay jars like they did in the 19th century. They have the Lambec Du. Yes, yes, Lambec, yeah. But it's just very serious. It's almost a sacred. You're loyal to the tradition of the place, and they, they really respect the beer. This, these pubs are like 400 years old. Uh, Stu, what is your uh, advice on finding these beautiful little pubs in Brussels like uh, that Chantal is talking about? I'll give you the best piece of advice I could give you on that. Buy a book called Around Brussels and 80 Beers. Around Brussels in 80 beers. <laughs> it have, has all those beer cafes. It's written by uh, Joe Stang and Yvonne DeBates. You know, it sounds a little goofy, but if any place in the world, whether you're really into beer or not, it is such a wonderful insight into the culture. When you're in, in Brussels, to know these little palaces of beer appreciation really is, it gives you an edge, I think. Yeah, a lot of those places, the tourists don't go. They don't know because it's right. not advertised. And you see the retired people, you know, really all sitting there with their tartine of cheese, ah, you know, yeah. and uh, their beer, and they, they just meet there every day and have a good time. There's a little place, La Sirio, I think. It's next to That's La right. Bacas. Yeah. Tell me about yeah. La Sirio, Stu. 
Well, it's just another uh, alley bar there, as they call them, where you walk down a, a narrow passageway and alley bar, long a long passageway to get into the back, and you feel quite right. You feel quite special to have found it. It's it's sort of like uh, a humble little Cheers or something like that, where everybody is regulars there, and uh, they sure appreciate their beer. Hey, uh, Chantal, thanks for your call. Thank you so much, Rick, and okay. I keep listening to you. It's a pleasure. Merci okay. bien. Au revoir. Thank you. Au revoir. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking beer in Belgium with Stu Stewart. And Larry emails us from Tulsa, Oklahoma. And Larry writes, How did you fall in love with Belgian beer and Belgium? Like any relationship, after so many visits, how do you keep the relationship so fresh and passionate? Ooh, that's a good question, Stu. How do you keep your relationship with Belgium and beer so fresh and passionate? That is a good question. Well, a lot of times what I'll do is, if there's a Belgian beer I've already had before, I'll uh, dress it up like a nurse or a French maid, and we'll do a little role-playing. <laughs> mm, sounds like a, a Belgian <laughs> pub fantasy. Uh, but seriously, um, I never get tired of going to Belgium. And when I visit places that I've been to before, it's always a pilgrimage, and uh, it's a ritual for me. I have my favorite places I go to where I eat and drink and places I take pictures and hang out and people watch. But also, I like to go to new places as well. And uh, I'm not afraid to put a place on a tour that I've never been to before. We'll be going there. And people will say, well, so how many times have you been to this place? I'll say, never. My first time, too. Well, that's how you have to keep it fresh. On your website at uh, belgianbeerme.com, you write about a ritual you have at a favorite beer cafe in Bruges, a beer hall, uh, about Ravel and Bolero. Talk about that. Well, my favorite place in Bruges. I should mention, too, there's a place called the Bruges Bitterchi, Little Bruges Bear. That's the epicenter for Belgian beer culture in the entire country. It's the most famous beer bar anywhere, run by a woman named Daisy Clays, and everybody in the beer world knows Daisy. But having said that, my uh, second favorite place is a place called Degar, which means the alley. And here again, just like Le Bacaz in Brussels, it's an alley bar where it's really easy to miss. you got to know where it's at. You walk down this narrow passage, and you come into this very, very intimate beer cafe with two levels. There's a mezzanine level. And they have a house beer, a house triple, that you can only get there. It's made by the Van Steed and Burge Brewing Company. And uh, when they serve it, it comes in a special glass on a doily with some cheese. And then at closing time, they have their custom of playing bolero to let you know that they're getting ready to close. Mm, sounds great. It is. When I hear you talking about that, those are two bars that I know and have been to many times. And Daisy is like, she's got a mission in life, is just to help people enjoy beer. And when I go into Daisy's bar, um, what's called the Birchi, is that the name of it? Yeah, Bruges Birchi. Birchi. I sit at the bar for sure, and I just get to enjoy all the action as she's finding the proper glasses for the proper beer and making sure all of her loyal customers uh, know that they're, they've got a real... Strong connection with the beer culture right there in Belgium. Stu, when you go to these great little beer meccas like you're talking about, is there any other etiquette that we should be careful of? I know when you go into Dagar, it feels a little intimate, and if a tourist didn't know better, he might feel a little awkward. How can you be confident, and, and how can you be sure you're, you're fitting in? Well, we've already talked about how it's important to establish eye contact with a bartender. That's number one before you sit down. But the other thing to keep in mind is no hand signals. They're not into hand signals. If you want another beer, you don't snap your fingers or raise your hand and say garçon. That's very bad form. It's all in the eyes. You make eye contact with the server or the bartender, and they'll know you want something, and when they are able to, they will come over and help you. 
Mm-hmm. So it's just all in the eyes, and it's very subtle. And once you get it down and you know how to do it, it's it's a game, and it's fun. Huh. And then I find that even when I'm back in the United States, I never use hand signals. I just all the eyes. It's just a matter of making eye contact with them, and they'll get to you when they can. I like that idea. And it's, and it's reasonable for an American tourist who doesn't speak the language and is new in the country to play this game and get along. Mm-hmm. The one hand signal that is acceptable is the international symbol for I want my check. Okay. And you, of course, know what that is, right? Scribble on your palm. That's right. All right. And when you're going to toast your friend in the Belgian bar, you say? Sante. Sante. Which means to your health. Thank you very much, and to your health when it comes to appreciating culture and beer all over Belgium. You're welcome. Thanks for having me on. Rick Steves has spent a third of his adult life in Europe researching and writing guidebooks. His classic, Europe Through the Back Door, teaches the skills of smart travel, and his country, city, and snapshot guides cover what to see, where to eat, and where to sleep for every corner of Europe. To learn more about Rick's books, visit the Travel Store at ricksteves.com. 